Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to Lesson 12 in our Old Testament History Series. In this lesson, we're going to learn about this mysterious man who meets Abram on his way back from battle. You can find this story in the later part of Genesis 14. Before we begin, I have a question for you. Who is the leader of your country? Is it a prime minister? A president? Perhaps a king or a queen? Well, what would you think if in Sunday morning, this coming Sunday morning, your pastor in church was also the leader of your country? Now, depending on your country and your leader, you might be very surprised to hear me say that. But if we look back at Old Testament Israel, their priests and their kings had to keep their duties separate from each other. There were a couple of exceptions, but we will leave that for now. But in our story today, we meet a man who was both a priest and a king at the same time. So let's join our story here as Abram and this great procession of people return from battle. Abram is victorious. People are very happy with him. He is bringing back all of the people and possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as he's coming over these hills, two kings come out to meet him, Bera, king of Sodom, and Melchizedek, king of Salem. I can understand that Bera would come to meet him because it was Bera's city, Sodom, that was attacked. And Abraham has rescued all of these people and possessions. But I'm curious about Melchizedek. Why is he coming? His city was not attacked. Abram has not rescued his possessions or people. So there is a very important reason and lesson for us about this man named Melchizedek. And as we see him come a little closer to Abram, it's clear that Melchizedek is bringing bread and wine to Abram to nourish him on his return from battle. What a generous king! And we see Melchizedek approach Abram, and he sets that bread and wine down before him, and then he lifts his arms, and he blesses Abram. And if we listen to him, he says, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God. 
And he continues and says, And blessed be the Most High God which hath delivered thy enemies into thy hand. We can see that Abram accepts this blessing. He recognizes that Melchizedek is a very special man who has a very special task, and he worships the same God that Abram worships. After accepting this blessing, Abram gives 10% of everything that he has to Melchizedek. He saw the special position of Melchizedek as being given to him by God. And then as we turn our attention to Bera, king of Sodom, it's an entirely different picture. The king of Sodom tries to strike a deal with Abram. He says, you can keep all the possessions if you give me my people back. This is going to be a test of faith for Abram. Will he take this opportunity to make himself rich? And if we listen to his answer, he says, no, I have sworn an oath to God that I will take nothing from you. I am not ever going to give you, Bera, I'm never going to give you the chance to say that you have made me rich. I'm going to trust God. Abram knew that God was going to look after him. And so he avoids the temptation to make himself rich and to give Bera the opportunity to say, I've made Abram rich. No, Abram wants that glory and honor to belong to God alone. This is a fairly short section of the Bible, and it's a fairly short story. But there is real relevance for you and I, and we're going to try to think a little bit more about this Melchizedek, this priest king. Simply put, Melchizedek is a pattern for the future Messiah. And we're going to look at this pattern in three different ways. First of all, we're going to look at the names of Melchizedek, and we're going to look at who he was. Then we're going to look at what he was, what was his office or task, and then we're going to look at where he came from. So first, let's look at who Melchizedek was. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. The city that he was king of was the city Salem. Salem means peace. So right before even before Abram is involved in the story, we see that Melchizedek is a king of righteousness and also king of peace. You can read that for yourself in Hebrews 7 verse 2. So there's two words to remember here, righteousness and peace. I would like to put before you two more verses now that speak about the Lord Jesus. And the first is from 1 John 2, verse 1. There we read, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Who is it? It is Jesus Christ, the righteous. So we see that Jesus Christ is righteous. He's righteous because he is also God. The second text I have from you, for you is from the Old Testament, Isaiah 9, verse 6. And there the prophet Isaiah, divinely inspired, 
gives a name to the future Messiah. He says his name will be Prince of Peace. Now that peace is a gospel peace, a peace that is about a restored relationship between God and sinner. So next, when you read in Psalm 85 verse 10 that righteousness and peace have kissed each other, that's more than just poetry. In simple terms, that perfect righteousness and perfect peace comes together in the person of the Lord Jesus and nowhere else. So we have learned that the names of Melchizedek are a pattern for the future Messiah. Next, let's look at what Melchizedek was. What was his task or what was his job? And he was a priest, a priest of the Most High God. Simply, the Lord Jesus is also a priest. Read along with me in Hebrews 4, verse 14. There it says, We have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. One of the special activities of a priest was to offer sacrifices. Priests in the Old Testament offered sacrifices for their own sins and also for the sins of people. They prayed to God on behalf of their people, and they did other priestly duties. The Lord Jesus also offered himself as a sacrifice, as a payment for sin. And so we see that Melchizedek's work as a priest is also a picture of what the future Messiah would do. He would also be a priest. And so both the Lord Jesus and Melchizedek have a special double office as a priest and as a king. In the third place, let's look at where Melchizedek comes from. We can see from God's word that Melchizedek comes from a special order or a special class of priests. You can read that in the first part of Hebrews 7. But in Genesis, a book full of family trees, we have no family tree for Melchizedek. He is said to have no beginning or end of days, and he's said to be a priest continually. Now, with so few details that the Bible gives us about Melchizedek, so few details about his life, it is difficult to say exactly who Melchizedek was. And so we have to leave it with what God's word gives us. But there are some things we do know for sure. And that is, we know that the Lord Jesus was the Son of God. And we know that he is eternal. And we know that the Lord Jesus is a priest forever, a priest continually. You can read in Romans 8 verse 34 that the Lord Jesus Christ is right now in heaven doing the work of a priest. He is praying for his people. So I hope it's clear now that when we read in the Psalm of David, Psalm 110 verse 4, that the Lord Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, that we see a connection between Melchizedek's priesthood and Christ's work as a priest. Melchizedek's priesthood 
was never-ending. He is a priest continually, and that's a pattern for what we would see in the Lord Jesus, who is continually a priest in heaven at the right hand of his Father. So after looking at the names of Melchizedek, after what Melchizedek was, and where he comes from, let's bring this together and look at why it's important. Well, let's go back to our story. When Abraham meets Melchizedek, he accepts the blessing from Melchizedek. And so he's kind of saying, he says, Melchizedek, I see that you have a higher position than I do. I recognize, Melchizedek, that you are a priest and that you have a higher authority than myself. And so that also means that because Abram accepts him as being of a higher position, then all of Abram's family does as well. Abram sees himself as of a lower position, and Melchizedek as of a higher position. So he recognizes Melchizedek's divinely given office. All the future children of Abram also recognize Melchizedek's authority and his God-given office. So this means that future children of Abram recognize Melchizedek's authority, and all of these future children include the sons of Levi. Now you might know that the sons of Levi were all of the future priests in Israel. So if I can bring that all together, that means that all of the future priests of Israel, all of the sons of Levi, they recognized that Melchizedek was a greater priest than they were. They did that when Abram accepted Melchizedek's blessing. So how is this important? Well, when we read at the end of Hebrews 6 that the Lord is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, then we can see that he is a far greater priest than all of the sons of Levi ever were. The sons of Levi, when they were priests, they were just men who could offer animal sacrifices over and over and over. That's not enough for our salvation. We need a better priest. We need a priest who is both man and God. We need a priest who offered himself as a sacrifice, and that never needed to be repeated. The Lord Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross only once, and that has eternal value. It never has to be done over again. In conclusion, we have seen in this lesson that Melchizedek is a pattern for what we can expect to see in the Lord Jesus. There is perfect righteousness. There's perfect peace. He is not a priest like Levi, Levi was or the sons of Levi were. Rather, he is a priest like Melchizedek. He's a priest forever. The last text I have for you is from Hebrews 7 verse 26. There it says that for such a high priest became us. That means he was a really excellent example of a man. He was an outstanding example. He was the best man. 
He was the best man who ever lived. He was perfectly holy. He was harmless. He's undefiled, made separate from sinners and higher than the heavens. As we go through these lessons, we're continuing to put pieces into our puzzle of who God is and what God does. And all of these different pictures, when they're complete, will lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we read, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You can look that up in Colossians 2 verse 9. In our next lesson, we're going to see and learn how God reminds Abram of the purpose of that promise that he gave him.